Hi, this is Jeff Stone of Grandpa's Pride Barbecue from the Panhandle of Florida, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Big Barbecue Central Show. It is a show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the social distancing capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you along here on your Tuesday. Get in, get fun. We got a lot to get to. If you want to jump in, find your spots via email or phone call, here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, it's the third Tuesday of the month of April, if you can believe it. We didn't realize how many days were in March. That was, uh, I guess, totaled out to be somewhere around 78 days. And April is sluggishly getting through as well as I believe we are on day 97 of April. But in that third Tuesday of the 97th day of April, we find Barbecue Hall of Famer, multiple-time author, cooking class instructor, TV show host, and once-per-month guest here on this show, Stephen Reichlin from the Barbecue Bible joins us and we have plenty to talk about with Stephen since his last visit, not the least of which is how he has been keeping safe. But we're also going to be talking about a luxury bacon item. We'll also be talking about things that he's grilling. We'll be talking about breakfast and the grill, all that fun stuff. So you have to look forward to that in about 12 minutes from now. And then we'll move to 35 past the hour where we will find also Barbecue Hall. First hour, Hall of Fame laden. Let's just get it out there in the open. You call him Ray. You call him Dr. Barbecue. You call him Ray, Dr. Barbecue, Lampy. It is Dr. Barbecue making his appearance back or uh, making a reappearance back here on this show. Last time he was on, we were catching up because it had been a number of months. He also talked about the new National Turkey Federation partnership that he had struck with the national turkey federation new one on board here as he joins us in april plus we'll also get an idea of how dr barbecues the restaurants is operating under the coronavirus uh, when he was on last time we were not in the life of coronavirus at that point so we'll see how the restaurant has pivoted maybe it has and maybe it's just shut down 
and waiting until this whole thing clears off so they can open back up as normal. So we'll talk to Ray about that. Some other items as well. Then we'll move into the second hour. Uh, it is the third Tuesday of the month. There's also another recurring guest on the third Tuesday. That is the founder of GrillGirl.com, Robin Lindars. And we have a topic that I don't think we've ever broached on this show through its lifespan, through the genesis of the Barbecue Central show. John Solberg would, of course, be able to do diligent research and make sure that I'm not putting my foot in the mouth as I'm talking out loud here and not fact-checking myself. But you don't need to fact-check anymore. It doesn't matter. You can just say what the ever hell you want, and it's just the golden rule. We're going to be talking about alligator. I'm not sure exactly how we stumbled upon this topic of alligator, but I saw maybe it was a visit or two ago. She had made some reference in her blog to a smoked alligator recipe or something along these lines, and we just started talking about it peripherally. And I said, you know what? The more and more we talked about it offline, the more information she had, and then all of a sudden I said... Do you have knowledge? Do we have pictures? All this stuff. Well, yeah. All of a sudden, it's a bit. So here we go. We're going to talk about alligator from front to back and what you can do with it and what it might taste like. And if you can get your hands on some, you can't go into the pond and pull out an alligator if you live in Florida. I mean, you can do that. It's very illegal to do that. If you want to risk the law, go in the pond and fish it out. Or do it the right way. We'll talk about the right way tonight as well at 1014. Uh, we'll also talk about uh, current recipes that she's working on and uh, robot ranch updates, which is the 30-acre, very rural setting where their house eventually is going to be as they're starting to clear land. And they have a whole Instagram account. That's kind of fun to follow as well. So that's Robin Lindars at 1014. And then helping me close out the show tonight, a host of a barbecue-related podcast. Never been on this show before. He is an award-winning podcast host, and he's been doing it here for the last couple years. In fact, just recently celebrating 100 episodes. If you've ever heard of the podcast Smokin' Hot Confessions, then you've heard of first-timer to this show, Ben Arnott, and we'll be talking to him to close it out this evening. So very excited to talk with Ben and Robin and Ray and Stephen as I said, by and large, first hour, it's a all Hall of Fame all the time. Second hour, not too shabby itself. 216-220-0966 or greg at thebbqcentralshow.com if you want to jump in this evening. And I'll be looking forward to your comments and all that other stuff. All right. Let's see. What did I do with it? I don't know where it went. Yeah, here it is. Sorry about that. Misplaced my... Agenda. Uh, follow me socially, of course, at BBQ Central Show all over the place. Now, first and foremost, I want to give a public thanks to a barbecue pal of mine named Jason Kaplan. I used my Lang 36 patio over the weekend. Truth be told, while I love using it, I have struggled at various times with running my best fire. Some people struggle with living their best life. I struggle sometimes with li- running my best fire. And it always seems to start out okay, but after a number of hours, where it seems like it would actually be easier to control, for me, it's harder to control. And it always seems to be the weirdest part, because over time, at least conceptually, you're growing the coal bed, so if nothing else, it should be more consistent. So the last time I used it, I took out the raised gate, started it on the floor, and then this time, I saw that Jason had done a brisket cook a few weeks ago. 
and I asked him how he ran his fire. He has a little bit big of uh, a little bit big, a little bit bigger of a lang than I do. I believe he has the forty-eight inch, and I have the thirty-six inch. But I believe they're identical in firebox size. Maybe his is a little bigger to accommodate the bigger smoke, but I don't think so. And I said, "Hey, how did it go for you? How were you running your fire?" And he said, "Well, I built it on the floor like you did. We had discussed that in uh, you know a number of months ago because somebody gave us that." sage piece of advice and uh, to keep the coals because that was the first thing i was noticing that the coals weren't staying up on the fire grate they were just dropping to the floor and he said uh, some whoever i was talking to said build it on the floor first go from there and then i said jason what did you do to run constant he said well i took the wood split he's got a kindling cracker like i got and he split the split and then he split the split of the split in like quarters i guess that would be and he said he ran at 250 all the way from front to back. And I said, next time I fire up the Lang, that's what I'm going to try. Maybe that's what I'm missing because I'm doing everything else. So I did the same thing over this past weekend. It worked out great. And I was not chasing temps on either side. Cold bed stayed bountiful. And aside from having to add sticks every 30 minutes or so, it was the easiest fire I've run to date. I lived and ran my best fire this past weekend. And the ribs and chicken were spectacular. I love all my cookers. I use all my cookers. Well, except for that piece of crap art flame. That thing's a piece. And it's for sale for six bucks if you want to come and get it. Boat anchor. And the food that comes off the stick burners are by far the best pieces of food that you can make, in my opinion. And it's not even close. The Traeger makes a great end product. The Green Mountain Grill makes a great end product. Weber Smoky Mountain makes a great end product, but for my money, if you can have, if you have the time, that's what you need. If you have the time to run the steak burner, it is second to none as far as food that it puts out. So I want to thank Jason for the pro tip. Listen to him on the Howard Stern Show, of course, which is my favorite show. He's an executive producer, and uh, I think if the firebox on the Lang was three times the size that it is, it would run way better. Maybe four times the size, but I don't think that's an option. There's no way in hell that I would be able to retrofit something like that on the cooker. It took me four and a half hours to build the catio. There's no way I'm dropping a firebox on a steel piece of equipment and then somehow figuring out to to make a box four times that big and then be able to reinstall it on the cooker. I mean, there's no way. I, I could never do that. So if you run a Lang like the 36, you've had trouble chasing temps, and you want to even it out a little bit. By the way, fire door closed and damper pinwheels, 75% open on either side. Take the fire grate out, build the fire right on the floor, and then take the split, split that in half, and then split those in half. So you're basically getting four pieces out of the one split. Thinner pieces, same length, just thinner. I'm probably adding sooner than I have to, but the burn is more efficient. The coal bed is... I can't complain. I love it. Love it. All right, before we get to Stephen Reichlin, I will talk to you quickly about Southside Market and Barbecue. Established in 1882, Southside is the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Famous for the original beef sausage, right? All meats, including the prime briskets are smoked low and slow for many hours over real Texas post oak wood. They ship nationwide via the online store, southsidemarket.com. 
Shipping customers can choose to order now and ship later, include a custom gift note, and mail to multiple addresses without additional charges. All shipped items are vacuum sealed to ensure freshness and ease of preparation for the customer. The meats are processed on their on-site USDA-inspected facility, which is great. Now, if you want to eat, you can do that. They have two different, actually three now, I believe. Elgin, Texas, since 1882. Bastrop, Texas, since 2014. I believe there's one in Austin now, too, if I saw that right on the website. Grocery distribution through Texas and many surrounding states. Here's the kicker. Go to southsidemarket.com. As you're shopping and all that, use promo code BBQ Central at checkout. Get 10% off the entire order. BBQ C E N T R A L, all one word, lowercase, when you're shopping at SouthsideMarket.com and get 10% off the entire order. This time, the next time, the 143rd time, it works every time. If you want 10% off an order, use promo code BBQ Central. There you go. All right, we're back with Stephen Reichlin right after this. Stick around. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, this portion of the show being brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauces, and grilling oils. All the Butcher Barbecue products tested on the competition circuit as well as backyards worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood and visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up now. Always, always trust your butcher. Third Tuesday of the month brings a visit from Barbecue Hall of Famer, the most prolific live fire author of our time, TV cooking class instructor and host. The list goes on and on, but we... Suffice with the adjectives and go right to the hotline as we welcome our pal Stephen Reichlin back here on the show. Stephen, I ask you, how are you? I am doing great. Thank you. And by the way, uh, Greg, let me see if you can see here. Look what I'm wearing in your honor. Look at this guy. Full Cleveland gear. Okay. Right. I like it. That looks so, very nice. Where'd you, you, you buddy. Are you? Uh, did you lose a bet that you're wearing that or how does that come across? Nah, nah, it's just, I uh, just found the t-shirt and I thought, why not, I'll, uh, I'll pay homage to your city. Yeah, all right, well, I like it. That's uh, a Cleveland t-shirt. We're talking with Stephen Reichlin from Barbecue Bible, of course, barbecuebible.com. Um, Stephen, obviously, the last time we talked, you know, we were just getting into this whole coronavirus and locking down and all of this stuff. Let's look ahead a little bit. Whenever this is where we're uh, now freed up as a society, and I'm talking about full freedom. We're not inching our way back in. Whenever this full freedom comes out, what's the first thing that you think you want to go do? Well, I sure hope I get to go to one of my TV shows because uh, (laughs) two of them were postponed on account of this. In fact, what's today? Today's Wednesday. I was supposed to start taping my, uh, my French barbecue show in Montreal today. I was supposed to leave yesterday. Mm. So pretty heartbroken about that, but not canceled, just postponed. And uh, two days ago, I was supposed to be finishing uh, Project Fire Season 3 in San Antonio. Uh, 
But, you know, uh, being a writer, working at home, I'm, I'm in my little office right now. Uh, it's a little guest house in my backyard. Uh, it has really not been too bad an adjustment for me. And if you've been following my social media feed, I've been, you know, taking the time to do a lot of grilling. Um, as has, I think many of have. have you gotten more into social media or have you stayed about on par with what you were doing prior to all this? Well, I've, uh, I would say I've stayed pretty much on par, but uh, maybe I'm doing a little bit more video than I did before, before it was kind of more photo. Um, and, um, you know, I'm also trying to uh, be, a, uh, and this is hard for me because I'm a very type A workaholic kind of person, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say this was, you know, this is the situation, so maybe this is the time to take off a little time and... Uh, you know, not work so hard. Do you think when things ramp back up, we will quickly forget about all the things we said we should, uh, you know, the, the the very best or the very uh, big positives that we've learned or adjusted to here in coronavirus? Do you think we'll immediately wash those off to the side and we'll quickly remember what it was like prior? Well, I hope not. I mean, I hope we'll learn some of the lessons that we learn now. I mean, also... Frankly, I do not think this is going to be a light switch that, you know, you just click the switch and life goes back. to. I think there's going to be a very long adjustment period. Uh, I think, you know, I, I think life, life will be different uh, moving forward. Uh, even in our arena, you know, thinking about restaurants and barbecue joints, it would not surprise me if you go to a barbecue joint and your server and your pit master are wearing a mask and they're wearing gloves. And... Uh, you know, if you line up at Aaron Franklin's, there's going to be six foot little tapes on the ground to keep uh, proper social distancing. So I don't I don't think we've seen the last of this, unfortunately. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Stephen Reichlin joining us here on the show, barbecuebible.com is website. Stephen, let me ask you a unprompted question, and it has to go back with last week's conversation. Uh, the second Tuesday of the month, I have a first hour a standing chat with Meathead from AmazingRibs.com, and we got into a discussion. We've had it in the past, but I was refiring an oldie but a goodie because the subject had started to come up through various other social media postings that I saw. And that was the idea of uh, should you rest a steak after cooking and yield whatever benefits people say they are, or in reality, do you not really need to rest steak because there isn't that big of a difference? How do you fall out on that? Well, I do rest the steak, but I mean, I don't rest it a long time. I'll rest the steak a minute or two. For me, the most useful thing that I kind of learned about grilling a steak or any meat, and I learned it at a one Italian steakhouse in Los Angeles called Kispaka, and that is when the meat comes off the grill, instead of putting it on a plate or a platter, you put it on a sheet pan that has a wire rack on top of it. So as it rests, there's air underneath of it as well as air on top of it. So you keep that crusty sear. But I do <laughs> think that a minute or two rest is a good thing. You know, would I rest at five or ten minutes? No, because it would get cold. But I do think there's a noticeable difference with a short rest. All right. Uh, Stephen Reichland joining us here. So let's go straight up over the top. First thing that we want to talk about this evening, and I saw it on your blog uh, a little bit ago, called How to Make an A5 Wagyu Brisket Bacon. So when we talk about briskets, of course, there's various grades. I mean, I remember when I started doing this show, people would talk about doing a, a certified Angus or a prime brisket, and people, whoa, that's so extravagant. Well, 
fast forward here into 2020 and Wagyu seems like it's a common term and you're finding them all over the competition circuit as well as in backyards across this country. But brisket bacon, I've only heard of it once and then strap Wagyu quality onto that and it sounds completely over the top. Well, and never mind why you quality, strap the words A5 on top of it. Right. A5 is the highest grade of Japanese Wagyu beef. It's the most marbled. It's stuff that when you look at it, you don't know if you're looking at uh, lace, uh, white lace on a red tablecloth or if you're looking at, you know, red lace on a white tablecloth, but it's extraordinarily uh, well marbled. I've been doing some work with Crowd Cow, which is an online meat supplier, and their premise is very simple. I mean, they find farmers and they find customers and they're sort of the middlemen. So when you buy their meat, it is not commodity meat. Every steak you get from them is different. Every farm they use is different. And they've hooked up with them in Japan that provides this amazing Wagyu brisket. Now, some of your listeners may have watched some video that we did at Barbecue University uh, last June. And my God, that feels like a different lifetime ago. Uh, and that was an A5 brisket. This is made with an A5 brisket flat. And uh, uh, CrowdCow did a, uh, did a blog for us uh, last week in which they featured this. And I guess somebody at CrowdCow looked at this well-marbled stuff and said, hmm, this sure looks like the beef equivalent uh, of uh, pork belly. So what if you cure it with uh, sodium nitrite and sugar and salt? And then what if you smoke it? And that was how they got to the bacon. Uh, we ran their blog. I have not actually had it yet, but today I received an A5 Wagyu uh, brisket flat, mm. uh, which is destined to be made. So it's thawing now. Uh, probably what's today, Wednesday, probably Friday or Saturday. I'll start curing it. Cures for five days. So if you follow uh, follow me on Facebook, barbecuebible.com, or uh, my uh, Instagram or Twitter, I'm sure we'll do a blog about it too. I will make it. I will personally report back to you. And you know what I'm going to do for you, Greg, because you're such a cool dude? All right. I'm going to put some away for you. And uh, when we speak next month, I'm going to have it for you. All right. Great. I love the live stuff, no doubt. We love to do it live here on the show. Should we, do we call it bacon, Stephen? I mean, I know we can uh, start to mince words and uh, descriptors and all of this stuff, but you think bacon, I mean, we're thinking pork here. Is uh, bacon, should it be only correlated with pork or can we get away with saying brisket and bacon in the same sentence? Well, I think we say brisket, bacon, and we put quotation marks around the bacon to let everybody know. However, you were reminding me that I have uh, momentarily forgotten the etymological root of bacon, hmm. where it comes from. So I need to look that up, or maybe one of your astute listeners uh, is, has a, is in front of a, a, a computer or has an Oxford English Dictionary. But I think we need to know what is the origin of the word bacon? What was the first use in the English language? Has its meaning changed over the centuries? Did bacon ever refer to a meat other than pork? Mm. I mean, because you have Canadian bacon, right, which is not pork belly. So uh, I think your question uh, poses more questions than it actually gives answers. But All right. When we speak again, we'll have them. Okay, great. So we're going to see brisket bacon, and we'll learn uh, exactly where bacon came from in May. So you're definitely going to want to stay tuned at least for another four weeks. So keeping with the bacon, traditionally that's something 
as an aside that you will see for a breakfast dish of some sort. I mean, certainly you see it everywhere else, but we love bacon with breakfast. Are you a believer or a doer of grilling breakfast? Because I find myself getting out there, especially given the time that we have, and uh, cooking a little bit more of everything outside. I am totally, in fact, I like to think that I was the one that launched the, uh, you know, barbecue for breakfast. Hmm. I'm an early riser, many of my followers know, and nothing gives me more pleasure than, you know, six o'clock in the morning, firing up my grill, uh, doing grilled eggs, doing uh, beer can breakfast burgers, grilling bacon, uh, doing a breakfast uh, taco or uh, uh, breakfast uh, quesadilla. Yeah, I'm a big fan of grilled breakfast. What's up? But, you know, with everybody find at home now, it's like <laughs> also a grilled lunch and grilled dinner. Yeah. Uh, what's anyway, a, what you were going to ask? What? Beer can burger? A beer can breakfast burger. Okay. Oh, it's kind of a funny, wacky thing. So uh, what you do is take you take breakfast sausage, <laughs> right. mold it around the bottom mm. of an oiled beer can, and that gives you an effect, which is a cup with sides on it. You indirect grill that. And then you can crack an egg in t- inside of that. Huh. You can put grated cheese and scallions on top of that, et cetera, et cetera. A nice light dish that has helped keep the uh, manufacturer of Lipitor uh, paying <laughs> vast sums to the shareholders. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, so you're obviously not pressing the beer can all the way through uh, through the meat there, so yeah. you can uh, house no, just, the eggs really and all the others. It as a mold. Yeah. And, and, you know... You don't drink beer. Uh, I mean, a Coca-Cola, you know, a soda can works the same way. All right. Now, let me ask you a completely unrelated breakfast question. By, Although, the, by the way, if I may just please. may just give a little shout out to my assistant, Nancy Lowski, who also lives in Cleveland. That's right. Top of the food chain and here tonight, Nancy, baby. That's right. Nancy writes a lot of the blogs on barbecuebible.com. Uh, so uh, that was Nancy's uh, brainchild, that recent blog. Thank oh, you, Nancy. Yeah, nice. So keeping with uh, the, the ham of the situation at the moment, or bacon or pork, I've tried like, I don't know, four times with this ham. I mean, I've had ham all my life, and I've really never paid any attention to it because, you know, it just kind of sucked growing up, and I just didn't care for it. Right. And then uh, I got away from it for a number of years in college, get on my own, never think to make ham. But I'd say over the last couple of years, I've had uh, the occasion to have some pretty freaking awesome hams sent to me. And let me tell no names, please. Rule number one of the show. But let me tell you something. I don't know where I'm going or if I'm going wrong, but I'm telling you ham is dry and I just don't know if I'm not clearing a hurdle somewhere. Look, I, I understand I'm not handy. I understand I'm not a lot of things. But I know how to read directions, and I have sous vide machines, and I have uh, a number of smoker machines outside, and we, I just had a huge bone-in ham, and I'm telling you, it was horrible. What am I doing wrong? Now, or, or does ham just suck, and I just need to realize that? Okay, so I have a couple questions yes. for you before I can diagnose your situation. Right. Okay, number one, are you making your own ham from a raw... Uh, no, you know, like a pork. Never. Okay, so that's your first problem because you should be doing that. And if you look in uh, Project Smoke, my book Project Smoke, or on the website, I give you instructions for making a ham from scratch, smoking it from scratch. It's a two-step process. You uh, you cook smoke it overnight. I did it in a big green egg, 
And then the next day you cold smoke it. I did it in my uh, smokehouse. All right. And that is an absolutely resplendent piece of meat, not dry in the least. And from, for a Jewish guy to be raving about ham, it's kind of weird. But at any rate, uh, that is fantastic. Now, the second thing is there are hams that most of us can't make at home. These are called natural, naturally cured hams or raw cured hams. They would be like prosciutto or Italian speck or German uh, Schwarzwälder, uh, Black, Black Forest ham. Uh, and these are hams, in effect, that are salted and smoked. Smithfield ham is another example, but they're not actually cooked. And those hams are generally are sliced paper thin on a meat slicer, mm -hmm. and they're eaten super thin. You're looking at, you know, I don't know what the minimum amount of time is, but it is, it's, it's the aging process is measured in years. Yeah. Now, the ham <laughs> that you're complaining about, um, inexpensive commercial ham. Uh, no, it's First not inexpensive. All, That's the problem. It's, it's freaking expensive well, as hell. Well, uh, you know, I guess offline or even online, you tell me, how are you preparing it? I need to know who, you know, what you're using and how you're preparing it. Well, but, I'm going to uh, tell you right now, Stephen, I'll tell you exactly how we're prepared. I okay. did step-by-step -step instructions of how the people that sell the ham tell you how to make the goddamn ham. Okay. Well, that's your, that's your problem right there. You ever tried to make rice following the instructions on a, on a package of rice? Never. Okay. They are so completely off the base. I, I feel like it's... It's somebody's translated it from English to Chinese to Japanese to Arabic and then back into English. So by the time you're done, it has no real bearing. I never trust the instructions from a manufacturer mm. on how to prepare something. So, how, so what are you supposed to do then? Guess? Well, okay. So you're so, – so it's, it's, I mean, ham is already cooked, right? You don't yes, – right, right. you need to do is warm it, right? right Unless right. you're doing what I yeah. – what I advocated earlier, because real men, you know, buy their raw uh, <laughs> pork legs. Uh-oh. Not a real man. <laughs> okay. Hey, by the way, I got to tell you a funny uh, real man story. Yep. So, you know, some uh, Monday is meatless Monday. We're supposed to eat less meat. And every once in a while, I mean, I've given up with my followers of my, uh, my you know, Facebook because they just hate, hate me on Mondays. But, of course. Uh, I, I posted a picture yesterday, this buddy of mine. Did You know, I do this uh, spruce grilled st uh, steak where you lay a spruce branch down on the grate and then you finish cooking your steak on it. Well, his girlfriend doesn't eat meat, so he did a spruce grilled tofu. Really cool. I mean, it looked great. I posted it yesterday. I mean, the hate mail, the oh, acidity yeah. on my Facebook page. I'm surprised that Mark Zuckerberg didn't disconnect me. <laughs> Come on, guys. If you're a real man, let me, you know, I know you can do beef. I know you can do game pork ribs. Let me see you do Tofu. That's right. And uh, let me see you do it on a spruce branch, man. Come on, Stephen. How dare you even bother with these uh, pestilent remarks from these ne'er do wells? Outrageous. Nah, you know, I got it coming from all sides, right? My wife is like, it's by a thread she yeah. would be a vegetarian, full time vegetarian. Plus, your daughter. My daughter, who was over tonight, right. does not, no meat, no chicken. Wow. I mean, you know, it's. Is she, uh, what, I mean, does, she party, does she party to any of that um, uh, Beyond Burger stuff or anything like that? Or is that too, is that like guilt by association or what? That's a good question. Well, I actually happen to think the Beyond Burger is fantastic. And the, um, 
uh, what's that? The uh, Impossible, Impossible Burger. Yeah. I think they are great products. Yeah, I think they're both great products, and I eat those a lot. I think actually, when you think about what must go into a fast food burger, hell, I would much rather eat a Beyond Burger, which hmm. tastes exactly the same. Right. Uh, okay, so... Well, I'm making enemies right and left here. I hey. Mean, I hope you're still going to talk to me. What I man, say you know? on this show I mean, is... Let me know now, because if you're going to... If you're going to cut me off, I'm not going to save that bacon for you. Well, look, I'm telling you, you put a Cleveland shirt on, and all of a sudden the muscles start coming out, and you're ready to offend everybody, and you're taking on all comers. Um, one recipe that I'm asking for, because everybody in my house is a huge deviled egg fan. My wife makes really good deviled eggs, and not just run-of-the-mill stuff. She loves to doctor them up. And uh, I saw you made a smoked deviled egg. Uh, what does that entail exactly? So you hard-boil eggs, you cut them in half, uh, you put them on a wire rack over a pan of ice because you don't want to cook them any further. All right. And I, it's just an indirect grill with uh, you know wood chips on the coals. It's about a 15 or 20-minute smoke just till you bronze the egg with smoke. And then you take the yolk out, you make your uh, filling, and it's, 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 you know that moment in The Wizard of Oz where, well, where it goes from black and white to Technicolor? Yep. Well, a regular deviled egg... Once you smoke it, it's like goes from black and white to Technicolor. And I guarantee you, you will never have deviled eggs again unsmoked if you try that once. And while you're at it, man, egg salad, we cannot make egg salad in my house without smoking the eggs. All right. Well, uh, that's something that we're going to do. Uh, look, if you have any questions, you want great recipes, of course, you go to barbecuebible.com and check out what Stephen's up to. And uh, we can't re well, wait until May when we get the... Uh, bacon report, and then we'll figure out where bacon uh, actually generated. So, as always, appreciate the time, the knowledge, and most of all, uh, the fact that you come on the show once a month, Stephen. Really appreciate it. Well, you do a great job. Thanks. Hey, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, social distancing, take it seriously, man. It's uh, it's a really, really bad disease. We just had a couple cases in our extended family. Mm. So, everybody be safe. All right, Stephen, thanks so much. There he is, Stephen Reichman, right there, here on this show once a month. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know what I say in this show? If everybody likes you, <laughs> we're not doing everything right then. I mean, we don't want everybody to like us. Give me an A, give me an F. That's what I like. All right. Let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills before we get to Dr. Barbecue. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. That's right. If you're looking to add some nice, real nice pellet cookers to the market, go ahead and jump in. GreenMountainGrills.com. Find out where the dealers are near you. Go visit the dealer. Ask them all the questions because they're properly trained. If you want something big, Jim Bowie. This is right up your alley. You want some medium-sized Daniel Boone. You want the portable and the tailgater type. Davy Crockett, which is the one that spawned the 12-volt technology, which you find on the Prime line, not on the Choice line. Choice line also doesn't have the tech, so if you want the tech stuff like Wi-Fi, internal meat probes, all that fun stuff, you want to check out the Prime line. It's also got a little bit more of a sturdier build. And again, if you have any questions, go to the website, GreenMountainGrills.com. They have a whole bunch of really great instructional videos. Follow them on all the social media channels because they're posting videos there as well. I think for the last 12 days, they've been giving stuff away. If you follow uh, Chef Christina Fitzgerald, I think her name is, she was doing a bunch of 12 days with Green Mountain Grill. So great stuff. I own a pair. 
Love the pizza oven insert as well. Can't go wrong. Great value. Great QPR. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. And we are back with Dr. Barbecue, Ray Lampy, right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. And this portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase you can also visit Amazon.com to purchase as well. All right, let's race to the hotline and welcome in another Barbecue Hall of Famer. That, of course, is Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. Hey, Ray. Greg, good to hear you. Good to hear Stephen, man. I haven't seen him in a while. Well, I'm telling you, man, he put on a Cleveland T-shirt and he was ready to pretty much fist fight on the street tonight. Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's going all all vegan and all of that stuff. You know, I I won't be talking about much of that. You, have you not done tofu on a spruce twig yet? Uh oh. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I I'm fine with that stuff. I and I actually do like the Beyond Burger too. And <laughs> said he eats it often. I can't go there, but I do like that thing. And you know, it makes it easy for the barbecue restaurants because we want to be able to feed everybody and. If they like that, it makes our life a lot easier. Yeah, so uh, totally unrelated. I want to ask all my guests, uh, all my guests as we uh, start out these conversations here over the course of the next two hours. Uh, Meathead was on the show last week in the standing uh, second Tuesday of the month, and we talked about uh, the practice of resting steaks after cooking. Do you have a thought on resting steaks? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely rest steaks. I rest everything. I, I just... I think, you know, old habits sometimes are hard to break, but I certainly think it helps my steak. Um, I had a I had a prime rib tonight, and that thing sat around for at least a half hour. I mean, so if, if that makes sense to rest, why wouldn't it make sense to rest the steak? Uh, like Stephen said, a couple minutes, uh, three, four minutes would be the most I would do it because it will get cold. But definitely, I'm just in the habit of doing that. And if maybe the science is wrong, I apologize, but I'm probably not going to quit doing it that way. Well, I think what we found out last week is while Meathead certainly had an opinion on what he felt. No, really? Yeah, believe it or not, he had an opinion. Uh, There is no particular piece of science that is currently existing out there. Now, he did tell us that at one point uh, when Amazon or uh, when Amazon, when Google was finding uh, amazingribs.com to be ultra sexy and generating him with a bunch of revenue that he went out to like Texas A&M or one of those uh, Texas universities to contract them at the tune of 50 grand to see does resting help steak? Because what I always hear is if you rest it, it relaxes and all the juices reabsorb and all this other stuff. But there is no definitive piece of science out there that we can point to that says, well, this is right or this is right. So it's just opinion, but you're not looking to take a steak off the grill and then rest for a definitive amount of time. It sounds like you're like the rest of us. Get it off the grill, it hits the table, and then you get some sides together. Maybe that's three or four minutes, and then away you go. You cut into it, and, and you're off and eating. Yeah, and, and that, but I mean, for me, it is intentional. 
You know what I mean? I, I don't want to have, if I'm frying shrimp, I'll have everything else ready to go because I want them shrimp to get on my plate and get eaten immediately. With the steak, I do it the other way around. So I sort of allow myself a few minutes to get everything else. But it's funny what you said. I heard, sure have heard a lot of whacked out descriptions of what actually happens during that resting time. And I don't necessarily believe all of that. But I do feel like uh, if you cut something right away, the juice does seem to come out of it more than if you don't. Right. Uh, we're talking with Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. DRBBQ.com is the website, of course, uh, and you can find him through all of his social media as well. Uh, Ray, last time you were on, we were talking about a new budding partnership with the uh, National Turkey Federation. And tonight, one of the first things we'll talk about is yet another uh, budding partnership, uh, this time with a company called Dizzy Pig. And for those that, I mean, it seems like I'm an old man and get off my grass guy, but for those of us that have been in it this long, it has been so interesting and gratifying to watch Chris Capel grow what was, you know, back then a competition barbecue team, and he was steeped in big green eggs, and he had these line of rubs. And then fast forward here to 2020, and he's this, you know, big rub presence. Uh, so for somebody like yourself who has seen this all from the beginning and see everybody get into this game, uh, how do you make the relationship, and what are you guys doing together? Yeah, well, Chris is definitely an old friend of mine. Uh, he tells a great story about the first time we met was on the old barbecue forum, and he came on and was bragging about his egg fest appearance. And my comment to him was, uh, uh, "How many other egg holes are going to be there?" <laughs> so I've come a long way in uh, in that world. Uh, but yeah, Chris, Chris and I've been friends for a long time. We just did not have the opportunity to work together. I've seen what Chris has been doing. Chris, you know, when we talk about all the the silly labels and silly names on the rubs and the cool, bright, you know, colorful stuff. Well, Chris started doing that in 2002. So someone else is going to have to explain to me who was doing it before him. Uh, he, he's an originator in that world, you know, and, and one of the things I've always felt, again, the reason I can work with Chris now is because I'm available, but I think both of us would have liked to see it happen a long time ago. Chris is getting lost in a lot of the noise, you know, the, the influencer world out there can make anything look like a big deal. And, and Chris has got a factory in Manassas. This is the, this is the, he built this building from scratch to house his company. Um, and this is his third building. This is not something he just, you know, did yesterday. This has been a growing company for 17 years. And, so it, it, I kind of am happy to have the opportunity because I think it's such a story and not everybody understands it, uh, what he's really doing. You know, Chris, they are grinding all the spices fresh every day and then it goes right into the bottle. They blend everything. Nobody else. Well, you can ask around. You talk to a lot of rub guys. Ask them all if they're grinding their own spices. I mean, to I, me, I when, when you talk about other rub companies, uh, I can sit here and probably tell you where 90% of them are getting their rubs made, right? I mean, it's someplace in Kansas City, and I think we all know the name. I'm not going to go there, but... No names, please. Rule number one of the show, but I mean, I think we all know. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'm not going mean, to... I would never... I, I take this business pretty serious, and I'm not going to go about this by trying to tell you what's bad about everybody else. I'm just going to ask you, tell you what we're doing, and tell you to ask your friends, you know? I mean, I learned this today. I've been really been going through a lot of the information. So there's it, the uh, the... USDA, there are eight ingredients that create 90% of allergic reactions. It's milk, it's it's peanuts, it's tree nuts, it's shellfish, uh, uh, whatever they are. There's eight of them. 
these guys, Chris never has this in his factory, period. It just is not there. So there's no possible way any of that could get into your bottle. And that's 90% of allergic reactions. I mean, you know, does anybody else know that? Can they be sure of that? He was telling me a story today about there was a cumin issue recently uh, where there was nuts got into a bunch of ground cumin. And as you can imagine, it gets out into the, into the system and it's hard to track it all down. And it was kind of a problem for everybody. Well, Dizzy Pig grinds cumin seeds at their factory and puts it in their rub. So there's no issue there. They didn't have to worry about it at all. I mean, fresh spice, fresh ground spices, any chef will tell you that's what's great. And nobody else is doing it. I don't think, like I said, I'm not going to accuse anybody else of anything. I'm just going to tell you what we're doing. They are grinding this stuff fresh every day. So what happens is it just tastes better. I showed a product today online that is their Montreal steak seasoning. Well, think about Montreal steak seasoning. Only all the ingredients are ground fresh and hand selected and high quality stuff. And, and the salt level is down lower than most places. This is just really good stuff. So I'm really excited about being on board with it. Yeah, it sounds great. Uh, Ray Lampy joining us here, talking about his new partnership with Dizzy Pick. So is it uh, something where Chris reaches out to you personally and says, hey, Ray, it's time for us to get together and let's see if we can hammer something out? Uh, he actually, the last day I was working for Big Green Egg was at an egg fest here in in Tampa. And I had called Chris a couple months ago, not knowing that this was going to, how it was going to be. I had called him a couple months earlier and said, Hey, why don't you come down to Tampa? It's the winter. It's an egg fest. And the, you know, you'll make some, meet some people and possibly sell some rub. And so he did. So we were, they, we spent the day together. So I told him the day before and, you know, I didn't, before I told anyone else that I wasn't going to be working with big green egg anymore. And I think it just got his wheels turning. And then we got home. He was like, you know, maybe we should talk about this. And I, I like I said, I think it's something we probably both, thought, you know, boy, wouldn't that be fun if we could do it someday. And uh, and so here we are. Are you uh, under contract with him or, you know, how does that work? Is it like a year-to-year kind of a thing and see how it goes? Yeah, well, the way I typically like to do these things, I pretty much always do them, is it's got to be a, an, an annual thing. Uh, I'm not interested in working with you for three months. I can't accomplish anything in that time. You know, I believe if with me working with them in a year and a half, we could see the needle moving. You know, I don't can't do that in a couple months. So, yeah, it's a monthly thing. I, I'll be with them for, uh, oh, he, he said the other day a couple of years somewhere. And that's fine. I, I, I suspect this is a long-term thing. It's the way I always look at them. So, yeah, it's, it's a full-on thing. I mean, I won't work with any other spice companies as I go forward with him. And, and if you do order now, I got to throw the commercial in. Yeah, please. DRBBQ15 is the uh, is the coupon code. You get 15% off if you order right now. All right, DRBBQ15. DRBBQ15. All right, uh, Dizzy Pig. If you order 70 bucks worth, you get free shipping. All right, uh, DizzyPig.com or DizzyPigBBQ.com? No, uh, DizzyPigBBQ.com. DizzyPigBBQ.com. Somebody's got the Dizzy Pig squatting on it. Yeah, all right, cool. Uh, what's your favorite Dizzy Pig rub if you had to pick one? Uh, for years, Tsunami Spin is the one I have liked forever. It's a it's a bit of an Asian kind of a thing on chicken, man. It's really good. That's always been my favorite. But there's 27 blends, which I didn't even realize wow. there were that many. So I've been going through them. Some of them I've never even really tried because I just I was tied up with the other things. So it wasn't I didn't care about every rub he had. If I saw him, I'd get a bottle of Tsunami Spin from him. And the pineapple head's really good too. Um, but now I'm exploring the whole 27. It's kind of fun. Yeah, why not? That's a lot to explore, and you never know what's going to hit with whatever you're cooking, especially now you're probably, I don't know, I mean, you're cooking more than ever, right? 
<laughs> yeah, we yeah. all are, aren't we? Yeah, no doubt. It's kind of fun. For that's the only thing good about all this. Uh, right. Let me ask you something different. Let's uh, transition over to the business side of uh, Doctor Barbecue, which uh, the restaurant. Are you guys operating right now in a different yeah. fashion, or did you just shut down? No, we never shut down. Okay. Um, my partners are, that's just not who they are. You know, I mean, let's be fair. Nobody knew. We didn't know what to do. Um, but they, they were like, heck no, we're not going to close. What they did was they laid off all the hourly workers and kept all their management. Now, they've got six or seven restaurants at this point. Uh, so they kept all the management people and just scattered them around to the restaurant. So our restaurant right now is being run by six management level people. So, which is kind of nice. And we managed, when we do come out of this, one of the things we all worry about is where you're going to find your staff. Uh, you know, at this point, nobody else is getting hired up, but as soon as it gets time to hire, it's going to be a, a it's going to be an adventure trying to get people, you know, everybody's going to be trying to get the best people. So, but my partners are like, their attitude is, well, heck, why would we close? Let's stay open and do the carry out thing and be good at it. And, and we're, we are, I mean, we're doing, I don't want to say really well, it's horrible. It's a, I mean, it's a disaster, but it's better all the time. And it's, it's better than most. I think we, we were lucky. Barbecue is a pretty good thing to, for carry out. We've got a little parking lot on the side of the building that works out perfect for drive up. We put a pop-up out there every day. And again, our restaurant's being run by management level people. So it, it's, I, I, successful is not the right word by any stretch, but we're doing about as well as we possibly could. So, yeah, given the I, you know, I suspect we'll, we'll get, it's probably going to save our restaurant. You know, I, I look at folks now that who knew we didn't know luck. We got lucky. I see Carrie Bringle's going to reopen and good for him. I'm really happy for Carrie, but I, you got to be looking at yourself right now saying, darn it. Why did I close? I should have just, you know, I, I pictured a lot of folks, uh, guys with restaurants sitting at home, paying the rent and thinking, what am I doing? I might as well cook something. Um, and that was kind of our attitude from the beginning. And, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out. But at this point, it looks, you know, we're going to make it. Well, I guess the overriding question for those that uh, close down completely. So you have a couple different scenarios, I guess. I mean, you're in a, in a in a unique scenario because it is barbecue related stuff that you're serving. You can easily run back to the old time of, well, you know, you go to anywhere in Texas or you go to where, you know, a lot of places in Kansas City, it's walk up. It's kind of a built-in takeout. Even if you have a place to sit and eat if you want, you do have the option of taking out also if you want. It's a fast casual, whatever the hell they call it. I mean, your setup is different, right? I mean, you go in, you have a massive space, you have full wait staff, you have the bar. It's a sit-down experience. So there are restaurants that probably don't have the ability or maybe didn't want to use the ability to take that time to pivot and be a takeout only restaurant in order to stay afloat or generate whatever revenue they can. Or maybe they thought that whatever they were going to generate wasn't going to be worthwhile anyway. So they just go ahead and lay everybody off, shut it down until they're allowed to come back open. So uh, it seems the people that are going to come out of this in the best spot did find the way to pivot. You did, uh, Sean, out there in California with Cali Comfort Barbecue. We know a similar scenario where they made the pivot to full carry out. They're exploiting Splitting sounds bad. They're leveraging their social media in order to attract people in. I'm sure you guys are doing the same thing. That's who you're seeing uh, really capitalize. Cap capitalizing is uh, kind of a relative term, as you're <laughs> saying, but they're the ones that seem to be doing right. the best out of everybody that's open right now. Yeah, I, I agree. And we are doing all those things. And 
Um, I mean, who knows? But at this point, we look we look like we made the right decision. But we also we have the opportunity of Lee that is back working with us now said, you know, barbecue by nature is carry out friendly food. So so that's a whole nother thing as well. Um, you know, if you're serving fine dining, those poor guys, I there's a steakhouse here in town that's pushing hard mm. on social media all the time. But I look at that and I think, my gosh, I, I wouldn't go spend a hundred dollars and eat it in my car in a styrofoam container of barbecue. And plus there's also that whole comfort level of yes barbecue. of course you know, if you're feeling sorry for yourself and you're hungry and you want to make yourself feel better a slab of ribs will do that yeah and it doesn't matter if it's in a styrofoam box or not because you're kind of used and prepped to that already if you're taking it out yeah it's almost we we almost caught more flack for some nice cool plates versus serving it on uh, styrofoam it's right all right Ray. last topic before i let you go tonight and always appreciate the time uh, I don't know if this is breaking news to uh, most people, but let me go ahead and run it anyway. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Greg Rampy reporting from the breaking news desk right here and wherever the hell is behind me. I'm not sure exactly where it is behind me, but we're here in Cleveland. Let's say Cleveland. And we're throwing it out to Ray Lampy for a exclusive announcement here as it relates to the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Ray, take it away. Yeah, I am so honored. I, I got a call from Emily the other day, or a message saying, hey, she wanted to talk to me about something about the Mayor, uh, Hall of Fame. And I just figured I've been hosting the awards there the last few years. I figured it was related to that. Well, it wasn't. They invited me, they asked me if I would like to be part of the nominating committee. And, and you know, I said, of course, yes, I would. And what a compliment. I'll be the first uh, inductee that will be on that committee, and, and I'm really proud of that. It's a it's wow. some serious guys. No doubt. Uh, no doubt. That's awesome. Very uh, cool. When you look at the nominating committee, I mean, you, you you obviously see the name. I mean, are you familiar with everybody that's on there? Not all of them. I'm, I'm familiar with them. I don't know them personally. I know Robert. I know Daniel. I, I know Adrian online pretty well. Um, uh, Jim. I know Jim. I don't know. what Who's the last guy? I don't know that last guy. Um, he's a, a food writer. I think like an Oxford. Oh, uh, Ock Moody, James Ock Moody. I think. Is that right? No, I know Jim. I know oh, okay. Jim. I do know him. He's a he's like a writer. I think for like the Post or something, isn't he? Yeah, I, I know I him for know, a while. So I, I know more than me. Some better than others, but I do know those guys, and and it's really cool to be part of that because they are they do take it really seriously. These are not casual guys that they're just gonna you know not take it very lightly. They're going to do their homework. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually there's a call next week where we all, we all get all the nominations in front of us. And then we do a, a marathon call sorting through it all. And it's been described as fun to me. I don't know. It sounds kind of <laughs> grueling, but I can't wait to do it. Yeah. Well, fun and grueling usually go hand in hand. So we'll see how that works out. Maybe we'll have you back on after the call and uh, you can tell us exactly how grueling or how fun it was. I mean, maybe it could be rather rousing, I guess, when you have a, a good conversation coming in with all different points of view. Because I guess, you know, ultimately that's what you're looking for. You want to be able to, to give your sales pitch on why this person or that person should be in. And then you're taking flack from all sides and everybody's arguing their points. And ultimately you come to a nine which is then sent out to the barbecue uh, existing Hall of Famers that are alive, like yourself, and uh, top three vote-getters off yep. that nine end up making up the induction class for 2020 this year. So I think it's uh, it's very exciting. What do you hope to bring as a – and you're not replacing anybody, you're adding to the committee. So what are you hoping to bring? What what kind of perspective? Um, 
Well, I guess I, I, I'm always going to carry some of the competition stuff with me. Um, the other guys that are all, in general, I look at them. I don't know them all that well, and I'll learn, but I think of them more as historians. But if you know me very well, you know I, I'm pretty much that as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm, but I think I'm pretty, pretty going to lean towards a lot of the modern guys. You know, I, I have a lot of input and a lot of relationship with the last 20 years where, you know, th- these guys, I think there's going to be a lot of what we saw last year was. Uh, um, Wayne Monk from, you know, an old barbecue restaurant yep. in Carolina. We saw Big Daddy from, uh, um, Dreamland. Um, the place in Dreamland. And, uh, yeah. And what was the third one? Uh, um, Stubbs. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, these were, these are historic guys. You yep. know what I mean? These, I'm not, certainly don't argue with any of those people as an inductee, right. but it was very much in the same vein. So I hopefully, I, I would like to see us round it out a little bit more and consider that we bring a little bit from all sides. All right, so I think uh, tomorrow is when all of the nominating closes out. Then the 6th of May is when the nine will be introduced. By the way, we're going to have a uh, live right here on my show as we introduce the nine on that Wednesday. And then three weeks after that will be the announcement of the 2020 class, which we will also do right here on this show that Wednesday. So show Tuesday and then a uh, extra show on Wednesday. So that'll be exciting in May for sure. Uh, so, Ray, congratulations on that. Congratulations with Dizzy Pig and everything that you have uh, continuing to go on over there at Dr. Barbecue. Check them out, drbbq.com, the website, obviously. And uh, continue to stay safe, Ray, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Greg. Always a pleasure. All right, you got it. There he is, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. Getting it done. How'd you like the live shot, everybody? Yeah, live. The breaking news test. From nowhere in Cleveland, that was, I might add. Nowhere in Cleveland. This place? Not Cleveland. From one of the raging suburbs of downtown Cleveland, Ohio. I'm downtown. This is looking west. That's Lakewood. There? Wait. There? That's Lakewood. (laughs) It's not Lakewood. So whenever we have breaking news, we're going to the breaking news desk, okay? This is what the breaking news desk looks like. All right, we are going to wrap up the first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth for monitoring. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant, use them as well. Fireboard.com, the website. Call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. All right. We thank Ray Lampy once again for joining us. Lots of great things happening with Ray. He's now entrenched with Dizzy Pig. He's got the National Turkey Federation going on, and he's the most recent addition to the Barbecue Hall of Fame nominating committee. So, of course, 
I want your input on that as well. I'm already getting emails saying, hey, Rempy, we got an inside guy now. Sure, year, 2020 is your year. All right. Uh, we are heading to the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back.